It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. We so appreciate you we uh, taking the time. There's, I, you know, it seems like there's another podcast that comes out like every day. I can't keep up, even with my own show. Sometimes, <laughs> like, what's going on? So the idea that you would tune into this make is, is is important. And I hope that we're trying to do something fun and important. And counterculture really is about being not like the cult, the the greater culture, but being this radical counterculture, like Jesus. Jesus called us to love our enemies and to to serve the needy. And so we want to highlight people across our, our state, our city, our state, and even around the nation, possibly even around the world at times, who are helping us grow and to be a more peaceful people, to be a more compassionate people, and really building up who are building up our culture, not just tearing it down. So uh, I'm privileged that I get to interact with just some of the some amazing people. Uh, right now I have here in studio Liz Kin's father. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. So glad you could join us. Me too. Liz is like the ultimate pinch hitter. She just was is filling in, and uh, I'm so glad she's taking a, a step. Because I'm I'm, I'm going to be brutal, Liz. It's going to get ugly. I was going to say I want you to go easy on me. Okay, well, okay, I won't be too brutal. But Liz is a consultant with Avenir Consulting. Provident Avenir. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to make sure I didn't want to say it was like a like a Lord of the Rings name or something. There. <laughs> I don't. What is Avenir? It's French for that which is to come. Oh, oh I like that. Very futurist oriented. Uh, they're an agency that helps local nonprofits build capacity and to lift up their communities. Love that idea. Great. I love that phrasing. She's on the board of the Welcome to America Project, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, a nonprofit that provides support to refugees through personal interaction, language support and technology and transportation resources. On the side, like she's got a side hustle, apparently, is, is that she's married <laughs> and raising four teenage daughters, one of whom is adopted through the foster care here in Arizona. Yes. Through DCS here in Arizona. Many of my friends in DCS. Fantastic calling and great ministry. So we've got a, a – you're just a great track record of amazing people on my show. So Liz, looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Thanks. Okay, you're ready. She's braced. She's chilling. She's relaxed. It's that obvious, huh? <laughs> She's ready. <laughs> so, um, but just so, just a question. Uh, well, just so you know, we're, we're, right now in our world, uh, we're not sure when you're going to be listening to this, but if it's Friday uh, the 10th, um, you know, uh, we've had a lot of talk about what's been happening in Afghanistan with the U.S. withdrawal and. Um, there, this has led to an incredible exodus, both we, both I mean, both Americans, but all those who worked with America, and then many Afghans. And I think America, including the church, is very aware of what there is now an outpouring of these Afghan refugees who are coming to America. And so I've been reaching out to nonprofits and refugee groups across many of many dear people and working in that uh, in those in those areas. And um, that's why we get to talk with the, the Welcome to America project. And I think we're going to have a great conversation about that because it's very timely, very important right now. Great conversation mm-hmm. to be having. 
So, but before we get into that, we play this all-important game called Fake News. I am the discerner of truth, have the ability to to know all, all that is true and all that is fake. I have great discernment. Or basically, I'm a coin toss. I'm about 50%, but I, sound, I, I play a big game. Um, so you say something that's true and then not true in any order. Okay. And then I try to guess which one is which. Are you ready, Liz? I think so. Okay. Okay, let's do it. I was born in another country. Okay. And I speak fluent Spanish. Okay, again, being in studio is always a plus because of eye contact. So I'm going to say, I'm just going to say you were born in another country. Maybe, you know, possibly, no, but you said you might be from the Midwest. She's from the Midwest. But okay, I'm going to say you're born in another country and sp- fluent in Spanish is fake. Final answer? That's my final answer. No. Oh, oh, no. You were born in the Midwest, right? I was. I was born in Indiana. Ah. Okay. Born in Indiana, and you are fluent in Spanish. I am. I uh, started it as a junior in high school, waited as long as I could, didn't think I would like it at all, and I absolutely loved it. I was terrified that God might want to send me to Mexico or yeah. something, um, but then um, absolutely embraced it. I Obviously not in Mexico. I fell in love with a redheaded guy in the middle of college majoring okay. in Spanish education, um, but the foster daughter that we adopted is Hispanic, and so uh, keeping some of those cultures and traditions alive has been a special part of kind of our bonding with her. Fantastic. Cool. So you speak Spanish in the home. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. See, I speak recreational Spanish, basically <laughs> foods and jokes. That's all I know. Uh, I can't really, can't even get it. I got dropped one time in a country for a week uh, without, and my interpreter got sick. And so I've been, I had to, that was all, I mean, that was in, in Dominican Republic. Um, yeah, but oh, I wish, I wish I was fluent in Spanish. That would have been super helpful. <laughs> And I wish I was there with you. It sounds amazing. It would have been amazing. It was amazing. So so let's go. The Welcome to America Project. Uh, this, interestingly enough, the Welcome to America started in response to September 11th. Yes. Which and is now we're coming up to our 20th anniversary of that. Yes. And so this is the year of the 20th anniversary right. for Welcome to America Project. And um, our very first family that we welcomed was from Afghanistan. Really? Mm-hmm. So Welcome to America Project was started uh, by the Manning family. And Phil Manning's brother had uh, been a firefighter and passed away uh, the Twin Towers uh, collapse. And the family really wanted to do something to carry on his name and try to bring something meaningful out of this tragedy. And about a month later in October, October, they saw um, on the front page of uh, the newspaper uh, just a picture of an Afghanistan family who had be recently been resettled to Phoenix. They were mm. interpreters who were helping, you know, and again, so timely. It's almost eerie. Yes. Wow. And um, and she wanted to do something, felt compelled to help this family. She said she looked at the mom and, and she realized that this mom wanted the same thing, right? Just safety and a roof over their head and food and success for their kids in a better life. Um, And so they started collecting things from their neighbors in Scottsdale and um, just kind of started out of their garage. And they had so much donated that they just kept on giving. And eventually it became um, much more than just those, you know, welcomes and donation goods. We still do some of that, but now we also do, um, you know, language services and we provide bikes and computers and um, uh, televisions just so they have access to um, immersive English in the home. 
Okay. Many times the the men will go out, but the women need to stay home with the little kids. Sure. Or in their cultures, sure. maybe women don't work, so they have much more limited opportunities. Yeah, to they learn can be very isolated. Mm-hmm. So they learn. Okay. Okay. So is this an Arizona-based organization? It is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So interesting. So in response to September 11th, what it, it, it would we in, instantly thought of those bad guys yeah. over there, and so let's go get them. Let's get the bad guys. Yet somehow this the, this response was quite different. Mm-hmm. This response was: there's people in Afghanistan who are just as human, and are just as have the same loves and life and interests and humanity as I do, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's how it's. Wow, what a great what a great response! It's not it's so counterintuitive, mm-hmm. countercultural, countercultural. One might say, "Wow, well said." You should do some marketing for me. I could use a little help. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave my card. And so that so now where's what's the current status of of Welcome to America? Um well we um weekly have two to three sometimes even four um welcomes on the weekends where we'll have um people go into the home ahead of time often with an interpreter and kind of just survey what is still needed from their families uh, the right. refugee resettlement agencies have very limited income right. to be able to um help the families so a lot of times they are missing maybe a kitchen table or lamps or something to put a lamp right. on um any of these things so we collect those goods from the community um right we've also done um you know personal hygiene kits and food kits um and we'll often bring those. Uh, volunteers are great about putting those together for us. And so we survey what's needed and then we get a big group of volunteers. Obviously pre-COVID, this was easier. We're right, just starting right. to ease back into it now. Um, but uh, somewhere between 10 and 20 volunteers will go and um, right. unload these things. We have a big welcome truck and uh, <laughs> we meet the family and they tell us their story. Uh, we put the uh, the goods. You have an interpreter or someone to work yes. with? Okay. We always have. Um, we have a couple of our uh, drivers who are refugees themselves. Between the two or three of them, they have about seven languages okay. that they all speak. And um, we also have a lot of refugees who come back and volunteer with us. Right. Um, so we always make sure we have someone who can translate. Sometimes it's, um, you know, whatever the native language to French and then French to English or whatever. But it's just amazing to sit down and hear the stories um, oh, wow. of these families. And um, again, I think it gives everyone that same realization that Carolyn Manning had, right, that this is a family who is just like us. Mm, and they might mm. speak a different language. They might dress differently, but they have the same hopes and desires and fears, um, all the emotions that we do. And they just they just want to be successful here right. in America. Um, and so we provide um, on those welcomes kind of their first like really often interaction with um, people who are outside of their own community. Um, when I first went on the visit, I was like, I was kind of in my Eurocentric mind. Sure, like, sure. Oh my goodness, I'd be so overwhelmed with all of these people in my house, right? But actually, refugees are used to that, right? And yeah. they come from mostly very, open very yeah. open communal cultures, multi-generations living together in families. Yeah. Many of them come from living in tents. And so, you know, they and don't it, have much space. But hospitality. They love it, yes. Yeah, is, is a huge cultural Absolutely. virtue. Right. Um, yeah. You know, one of them told a caseworker after, he said, this is the first time that Americans have come to my house. House. Why in your culture do you not come to people's houses? You know, Wait, that's that's powerful. So powerful. So so the 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 family that you the first family you visited mm-hmm. said that why don't Americans come to visit us mm-hmm. when we're here? Interest. Wow, that's powerful. 
That's yes. Powerful. So so yeah. we do those every weekend and we have people who volunteer throughout the week to gather those goods. Once we have a list of what's needed, we pack them up for each mm-hmm. family and label them in different boxes. Um, and then we have clothing closets that are mobile. We go to actually different apartment buildings where refugees are throughout the Phoenix area okay. and um, you know let them know that we're coming and they can go shopping, of course, for no cost to them for their families. And okay. we provide uh, diapers. Sometimes there's people there who have haircuts and we have clothing in a variety of sizes and, Mm. um, you know, so just anything that they would need. And this helps people maybe who don't have transportation to get to even a Goodwill or something uh, nearby them. And uh, we also have a... Uh, partnership with Phantom Cyclist, where we provide bikes, uh, both for children and for adults. Okay. Uh, many times, that's the easiest way for them to get a steady job. Um, it's have right transport. You need yes. transportation, and our, we don't necessarily have the the top tier public transportation system. No, it's great, but it's lengthy it's, and it's yeah. confusing for them at first. So having a bike gives them some of that, um, you know, just freedom and stability. Right. Um, we also partner with uh, PCs for Refugees where we give everyone a computer who, who has a welcome. They have a computer and uh, there's another foundation that provides us um, funding for televisions, again, so that they can have that access. So just so many people working yeah. together in so many ways. It operates on a shoestring budget, but just does amazing things because of the the power of, of volunteers. So you do. So that's really that's the that's the engine. The, I don't know. That was like the fuel mm-hmm. of really to keep all this going. Are people who are saying, "I am willing to welcome these people to our country to my." my mm-hmm. community. Yes, absolutely. And this last year, we were able to launch with ASU, a partnership in the Learn English Now program. Okay. And um, they've done this in other countries and in refugee camps mm-hmm. um, internationally, but they brought it to America where we partner volunteers uh, who are interested in helping um, a refugee learn English. And it's an okay. online program. They can access it from their home with the computer that we provided for them. Uh, we're working on now giving uh, some technology literacy classes Yes, so that um, you know they can even understand how to use the computer to be able to uh, do this, um, you know, the learning English program, then they're partnered with a mentor Mm -hmm. who can practice with them and help keep them accountable to have that relationship and interaction because they're no different than we are. And it's hard learning a new language. Oh, absolutely. Culture and having a friend to do it with you makes it so much less daunting. We, uh, we welcomed a family. They were um, from Somalia, but they, they had lived so much of their life in Kenya that they were it's functionally Kenyan, but uh, they moved here. Um, they could never get back to their for uh, for a number of reasons, and their you know their kids barely spoke, but they were so warming, huggy, and just wonderful. And we took them to the zoo together, and they had never. These are some animals from their home, you know. They remembered like, oh, this is like <laughs> there's some outside, you know, in our backyard. You know, <laughs> they love seeing these little kids seeing animals. And so it was such a great, both both for them, but for my family too, that they got to see what Muhammad and his family all, you know, we're, the, we're again, we're the same. Absolutely. We really are the same. And that's the other yeah. beautiful part about so many volunteers coming with Welcome to America Project is that it's just as great an experience for those volunteers, right, yeah. who, who understand now in a new way, like, right, you don't even have to travel abroad. This culture is, is brought to you. And yeah. it takes it from a news story, which is very impersonal and easy for us to shove aside. And it puts a name to it okay. and a face and someone that you've interacted with. And it just really, to me, it changes the story. You know, these aren't these aren't 
people who are sneaking into our country. Right, right, right. These aren't people who are, are coming here to live off of the tax payments. We have, not at all. They're desperate who are just – and we might be the only country who's open and welcoming enough. And They have already connected with Americans in their country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are vetted through such a oh, thorough process. Oh, it's brutal. Process. Yeah, it's not. It's, uh, sometimes it's years. Yeah, yeah. They spend could spend in a refugee camp for years in Turkey or something like that. Well, if you're just tuning in, we have um, Liz here in studio uh, talking about Welcome to America Project. I'm your host, uh, Jonathan Sanborn, here on Counterculture, and just having a great conversation. So we've talked about what you do, you know, what Welcome America Project is, and the amazing things that volunteers can accomplish, and um, but what are some myths that people have? We started to get into that, mm-hmm. but the, when we talk about refugees, what are some myths? Well, um, one that they're trying to sneak in. Yes, absolutely. That either they've snuck in, just like you know, like like you could just cross the ocean and right. nobody would notice, right? Um, and that they are, you know, actually terrorists trying to come in and infiltrate our country. Again, just the vetting process for refugees is so. Um, so difficult yeah. that even many people who are deserving aren't able to get through right. all of the mountains of, of paperwork they don't have the right. connections um, another one would be um, that again I just I feel like we dehumanize them people right. when we put them in a, a category right um, and and so it's almost it's a forced migration that there's something that is so like you said like they're so desperate to leave yeah. their country I, that that they are willing to start over. And, and the Afghans who are coming right now, they're not even allowed to bring suitcases. Many times yeah. they just have the clothes on their back. And wow. they've been coming. They, you know, all of the ones who are coming now from Afghanistan have a direct connection to helping America in yeah. their country in the last, uh, you know, 20 years or yeah. so. And so we have an obligation, I think, to yeah. to help them, to support them, because we gave our word that we would. I think that... Um as well as the, the, in a sense, there's the American hat we put on and how mm. we welcome, Af- which I think is very American. It mm. should be, but there's also our Christian hat that we put on. Oh, so much. And so, what? In what ways has your faith helped you to think about refugees? Well, I remember when I was younger and reading you know, the book about what would Jesus do, and I, when yeah. I was a kid, was when those bracelets right. were very yep. popular and everyone had one on. Um, and, and when I think about where would Christ be right now, where would His focus be? It would absolutely be with um, the refugees, with the sojourners. I mean, uh, we were talking before the show. Christ Himself was a refugee, yeah. right? And He fled to Egypt, and then He fled back, and He was, um, you know. <laughs> He was open to talking to people that yeah. were cast aside. He was all about being, um, you know, giving those who are marginalized a voice and a chance. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I fully believe, and then there are so many scripture to back it up about um, supporting uh, people who are, are coming from another land. Even the ancient Old Testament traditions had yeah. um, a lot about being kind to sojourners and strangers in the land. And mm-hmm. Uh, much less the the New Testament, and I just think that's the way that we show um, Christ's love. I thought an, an interesting thing about all those passages is the appeal of God to reminding them that you yourselves came out of. Uh, I am the Lord who delivered you out of Egypt, and He reminds them of their identity as to why they should be helping these people because you yourselves were once that. Mm-hmm. And I still think that one one problem is that we get this idea that it's. That we, this is not, in a sense, this is not our land. It's right. God's land. 
and we are stewards of it, and we should be stewarded in the way that he wants to, which is to be a love, a welcoming land. Mm. I mean, yeah, there's there's a vetting, there's there's times for that, but that's a that's a massive, thorough process that we have a lot of confidence in. That's probably too much. I mean, mm. frankly, it's too much. But for what it is, it's mm-hmm. way over the top, thorough to handle that. And so beyond that, as a human being, we should stand with open arms. And even and available lives to, to and with with Afghans who are coming here, and be be in their home mm-hmm. if they want us there. Absolutely. <laughs> the fact that was a great phrase you said that they they're they're like why haven't they come to visit? Mm-hmm. Yes, because really successful resettlement is about so much more than having the needed services to provide. It's that one-on-one contact. Yeah. It's learning about the culture and the nuances of our language, of our transportation systems, of our school systems, mm-hmm. and, and family life. And those things happen on an individual basis. Yeah. And, and it's also an opportunity for us to learn about them. Yeah. You know, and going back to our the you know Bible question you mentioned, like we are all made in God's image. He said yeah. that. And, and so again, they may have a different language, a different skin color, different dress, but they are just as much a part of God's kingdom and God's creation as we are. And to look at them as any less, I think, yeah. is a terrible sin and a miss in our uh, country. It, it is. It is. We ca- we group people, and we 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 were formed by the categories that parts of our culture create about other people. Mm-hmm. But and I, but I like it when it all comes down to one person. When it's one person knocking on your door or it's one person, it's not an issue. It's not the refugee issue. Mm-hmm. It's that human being, that one woman who looked just like, you know, felt you identified with, who you could relate with or your, the founder could relate mm-hmm. with. Um, so in your case, was there one person that kind of like made you kind of kind of light turn on for you. Yes. Um, I had the opportunity to help resettle a family from Syria with my church several years ago, and they did not speak a word of English. And Whoa. like I said, I'm bilingual in Spanish. I'm used to getting around in you know places I visit, sure. but just not a word. And we yeah. were so lost. Um, but just the amount that we were able to communicate just through facial recognition, her hospitality. Every time I came over to bring something or to pick her up for an appointment, she would insist that I come in for tea and cookies, even though it was all Google Translate. And very often I had no idea what right. we were really talking about. It was just we got so close. And my children would come over oh. and they'd play with their kids. And I watched her in the grocery store and she's looking at all the prices and checking in you know, her budget and making sure she has everything. Right. She bought her kid a lollipop because he was crying in this in the the stroller, you know, which is totally something I would have right. done when my kids were little in right. the store. And and we were the same. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, that really put a face to the whole refugee crisis for me and, and helped me, like you said, take it from a group of people to an individual. So you now know what Afghan is for, I want a snack. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> actually, there is Afghan isn't a language. There's actually multiple, like you said, I think you mentioned seven, but there's more than that. There's different people groups without a, around Afghanistan. So back just as we've got a few minutes left, I just, what is um, the biggest needs right now for the Welcome to America project? You know, and I think you would hear this for the resettlement agencies, too, that in general, financial support or gift cards allow us to be flexible as different needs arise. We're still coming out of a pandemic where um, welcomes were pretty much stopped for the last year. And so a lot of the warehouse things as far as used donations are, um, you know, we we have a lot of that still. And it's great. Some are coming in. Um, Some people are doing drives and we have opportunities for that on our website. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, WTAP. 
app.org forward slash donate is the easiest way to give. Um, we are a qualified. Uh, so let me just repeat that. WTAP.org. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is your website? Yes. Okay, so just so viewers want to learn. Listen, yes. Listen, sorry, viewers. <laughs> and you can learn more yeah. about us on our website, and um, and we are a qualifying charitable organization. So with tax credits, people can give four hundred for an individual, up to eight hundred for a family, and that comes directly off your tax liability. Okay. Um, those are, are very easy ways. Um, we do have some um, limited opportunities right now. Like you said, is very popular for volunteering. It's so great. People have a soft heart for refugees, but right. you can keep checking back, and we have needs for people who can help uh, repair bikes or repair computers. Um, Sometimes we need interpreters for people to come in our warehouse in the middle of the week and help sort the many donations that the community has been so supportive in giving. That's fantastic. Uh, So in addition, there's, uh, and I've encouraged that, do something. This is one option. There's sure. the Phoenix Refugee Connections yes, and is they a great have, a network of, of a whole bunch of groups. Oh, they're wonderful. Yeah. Yes. And this um, Saturday, I think it's the 25th, they have a Refugee 101 class. So if you're interested in learning more about refugees and how you can help locally, that is a great place to start. Okay. You can find that information on the Phoenix Refugee Connections website. Yeah, Phoenix Refugee Class is also on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a great organization, a great way to learn and get uh, resources. This has just been a great conversation. So enjoyed. Look, look how fast it went. It Isn't really it like, did. Boom, just like that. Yes. So fantastic. We want, uh, again, I want my listeners and myself too, just to oh, pray and consider what role that we're supposed to play in the mandate, for, I think, from Scripture and mm-hmm. to open our lives and hearts to those that the Lord is bringing. If God's moving people around the world, don't we want to be a part of that? Don't we want God's people to be a part of that? So don't much. we want Christians to be the first to to welcome, to be at the airports, to be there? Exciting. These are exciting times, and I want to be on the right side of God's will. So thank you again for being uh, my guest on my show. This has been a wonderful conversation. Yes, thanks thank so you, Liz. Much. Blessings to you. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal. Helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.